Uh, hello there. <laughs> I'm Chris Casso, the Spirit of Vengeance, and uh, writer and creator at Trusty Henchman, at trustyhenchman.com, that is. And I'm Nicole Lamb, and I am a former retail manager that is currently staring into the void. Mm-hmm. And the void staring back at you. <laughs> and, it, and it winks, and it says, hey there. <laughs> like John Void in Anaconda. Mm-hmm. Vo- is that his name? <laughs> void? John Voigt, Vot, Voigt, Vot, no wait, Voigt, Voigt. <laughs> that's that's exactly how everybody in this family pronounces it. Voigt, Voigt, like a cartoon. <laughs> John Voigt. Uh... <laughs> and this is we should write this down. Episode four. Oh, that's right. We actually have to say the name of our podcast at some point. Yeah, sometime. Yeah, that's a thing ha. we should do. <laughs> ha. And excuse us if our air quality is uh, unhealthy. As apparently <laughs> the real-time air quality index is telling us. Yes. As the West Coast is entirely on fire right now. Indeed. And it looks like Ballard is at 197 unhealthy. Yeah, we're 196 then... uh, near Beacon Hill Station, which is not really that near me, but close enough. Close enough, yep. And yep. Uh, it looks like we're living in Blade Runner 2049 right now. Hmm. Yeah, it doesn't quite look as bad to me. It's just kind of beige instead of orange. <laughs> We've like gone back beige. to 1997 computer stylings. <laughs> yes, <laughs> We've all yeah, just exactly. gone back to beige. <laughs> Amy Winehouse goes back to black, but we Ooh. go back to be- beige. <laughs> I'll wear Ugh. some of them uh, fuck me pumps. Um, so anyway. Wait, what? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of, I that? have smut. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hey, perfect. So, what have you been into lately, Nicole? Uh, well, I've gone back to my little cheesecake manga, Nurse Hatomi's Monster Infirmary. I finished reading volume eight, and this book just follows, it follows Nurse Hatomi. She's a cyclops with huge bazongas, mm-hmm. and she works in a high school of budding teenagers who... Uh, it's kind of like mutant powers where they they get a a monster ability kind of around puberty and then they have to mm. deal with the awkwardness of it and it's you know like an allegory for how awkward puberty is gotcha so there's like a huge cast of characters and i jumped back in i probably haven't read it in a year or two so I don't really remember a lot of these people <laughs> i'm like wait now who are you and why why do i care um but it's, you know, it's fun and it's silly. And it's it's just gone all over the place sometimes because it is very, like, it's vignettes. It's just little episodic type things focusing on different people bouncing around. And there is, I guess, a continuity, but it's not that important. And so okay. um, they, they've done things where, like, a Deadpool-like character shows up and it's wacky and zany and it breaks the fourth wall. And you're like, okay, you just decided that you cared about Deadpool when you were writing this version of the manga. Uh, and this last one was like Sleepaway Camp or something, except without the twist. Uh, it was just more like, you know, they, they all go camping and some, you know, spooky hijinks ensue. Hmm. And then what I love at the end is, you know, in manga, they always have a, a thing where... Well, they don't always have it, but they'll have the creator being like, I would like to do this, or thank you for reading, or I appreciate blah, blah, blah. It's just a way for them to talk about whatever they feel like. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And here, where is it? Oh, yeah. So there's an afterword from Shaco. That's who does this comic. And he says, you know, 
I really wanted to do like an outdoor school trip story arc, but it ended up being a story of unrequited love. And I've been considering the story from the beginning, had lots of worries trying to pull it together and, you know, trying to just make it nice. And then he says, I think I want to put more attention into fetishism of non-humans. That's the next <laughs> sentence. And I was like, dude, Kay. that's your, but that's your comic. So like, right. you, you detoured for like, five chapters and now you're like ah i really need to just get back to the basics here (laughs) and just really focus on some titties and let me just tell you there's tons of titties in this volume too like there's no lack of people coming out of the bath with a towel just sort of draped over their nipples you know what i mean like it's not Mm -hmm. like it's not like you went way out of base and just were like i'm gonna make this beautiful shakespearean story in the middle of this volume it's like nah dude you got titties in there it's fine yeah 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 yeah. your tangent wasn't that tangential exactly exactly (laughs) and yeah so i was just you know just just reacquainting myself with this ridiculous series that is just it's kind of in the vein of like me getting my fearless dawn by steve manon manon on 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 many on yeah it's like the story i mean actually i do actually like the story in nurse otomi's monster infirmary but uh but i find like the fearless dawn stuff's just such fluff that it really right. is like it's mostly about the pictures and the cute little cheesecake pinupy things that the the girls are drawn in you know it's like the warming embrace of fluff like if you were like covered in bread out of a fresh <laughs> oven yeah it's like yes. fluffy bread it's like a fluffy bread okay. blanket nice yeah nice or like yeah. a warm non throw pillow blanket Ooh, non pillow yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ooh, non yes <laughs> i i haven't had indian in a while so yeah. You just gave me a happy thought. Mm. So what about you? Yeah. Uh, I got in a Kickstarter that I funded uh, a few months back called My Great Grandfather the Alien uh, by Katie Carmichael. And it's a scrapbook account of an ancestral journal, jur- journey, journal and a journey. <laughs> and uh, it's an interesting, um, basically... Her family virtually knows nothing about her great-grandfather. He was kind of shrouded in mystery and a black sheep of the family. And they know that at some point uh, he was maybe attacked and left for dead in New York and died of uh, um, head injuries and then, like, was put into an unmarked grave after that with, uh, with somebody that they had no idea if he had a connection to um so this is uh she went on a mission to try and find as many bits of history as she could to fill the gaps and Mm. then she kind of turned it into this scrapbook project um where she takes like all the paperwork she could find because like she couldn't find a birth certificate but she was able to find two different censuses that include him so she could figure out the date of birth and all that and who was in his immediate family uh she could figure out some of his job stuff but like there's the slightest chance that he might have been like some sort of secret agent or doing some work for the government at some point um and then he was part of like uh 
uh, kind of a trade route with the United Fruits Company. Um, but then, like, there's some weird shady business with them. So, like, there's all this, like, like you can you can form, like, your own background fan fiction about who this guy was. Yeah, and it's like, a fascinating. sequence where, like, uh, some other guy moved in with him and took his last name. And they're like, what's that about? And then there's a whole thing where he basically kind of pretty much estranges himself from his wife and children and because they're all still in uh scotland and then he moves back to or he moves to new york so something in new york drew him and then like during world war one there was like a whole bunch of weird stuff that there are and like world war two or the lead up to united fruit company was connected to germany and like he was going back and forth across the sea and so they're just like what what is happening um so it's it's a fascinating project. Uh, my my only gripe is that it's a bit shorter than I thought it was going to be, because she she couldn't find that much else about him. You know, mm. he was he was a man shrouded in obscurity. Um, so the the problem is I want more, and that's a good problem to have, I think. Um, but there is no more. How many pages did it end up being? It's like thirty five or forty. You know, something like that. Oh wow. So it's it's pretty quick, but like it's it's all done in a scrapbook style. So some of them are denser pages. It just depends how much you want to try and read of the actual documents that are there. Um, she does some some nice highlighting so that you can you know focus on things a bit quicker um, because you know some of it is pretty like just dense paperwork, and you're like hey, I don't know if I really want to read all that. But so visually, it's very very gripping. So yeah, that's I read that, and I also got another art book. These are not things I could really talk about the plot of, but I got a art book called Good Movies as Old Books. It's by a designer who basically takes uh, all of his favorite movies and redesigns them as books from like the 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 eighteen twenties or the seventies, and uh, and you know distresses their covers and just does some very interesting design work graphic design work um and so that was uh by let's see is it matt stevens yes matt stevens and uh i talk about that one on uh my website um trustyhenchman.com and there's links to there you can actually order uh all of the different books as individual art prints if you don't want to get the book nice um so yeah, that's you know that's yeah. what I've been into this past week. Um, other than watching the entirety of season two of The Tick on Amazon, <laughs> which uh, has brought me the most joy I've experienced in a long, long time. There will not be a season three, so I was also that joy was followed by crippling depression. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah! I saw this fascinating documentary. Uh, called Lost Soul, and it's about the disastrous uh, production of the island of Dr. Moreau. Oh, man. Well, it's it's a fascinating documentary, and the, the director, uh, his last name is uh, Stanley, he, uh, it, it basically caused a mental breakdown. He could not go back to work after it uh because the studio and val kilmer drove him insane and uh <laughs> just val kilmer not uh uh what's his name 
So he was kicked off of his own movie before Brando showed up. Oh, and, he was kicked uh, off before Brando. Interesting. Yes. Yeah. And here's the thing. Brando could have possibly been a problem. But in my own fan fiction, I think Brando was a problem partially because Stanley wasn't there. Uh, Richard Stanley. Oh, and because uh, uh, without, you know, reciting the entire documentary, Basically, there's a, a great sequence at the beginning where uh, he uh, Stanley was going to be able to get Brando and the studio is like, why did why we don't want Brando? He's too difficult. And then uh, when they were putting together the project, they were like, yeah, this is going to not be directed by you because we don't care about you. And so he fought to get back on it. And that Brando was angry about that. And um I think the director they're going to put on it is, uh, who's the guy who did Rosemary's Baby? Oh, uh, 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 was that Polanski? Yeah, Polanski. So it's going to be a Polanski film. And uh, so Richard Stanley fought to get back on it. And uh, he had to go have a meeting with Brando, who apparently the studio was like, oh, he's going to ream you. He's so angry about all this kerfluffle and so the best part one of the things that made me love richard stanley immediately at this point was he just he's talking to, at doing this interview for this documentary and he's like that's when i resorted to witchcraft because his mother was a, a practicing witch and so he had a warlock he knew in the uk uh basically do some magic and uh he had a the meeting with brando and it went off great so mm. That was going to be good. But then they got, uh, they were supposed to have Bruce Willis and uh, James Woods as the other main characters. And then Val Kilmer came in and that ruined everything. And uh, <laughs> also Bruce Willis's uh, divorce with Demi Moore made things difficult. So yeah, it, it quickly kind of falls apart and they kick him off the project. It's just... It's kind of sad, but there's beautiful design work um, that they that they put in. I want an entire art book of this material. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, there's interviews with Feruza Balk, which is like, hey, Feruza Balk. Um, yeah, there's that one point where uh, the PA got bit by a venomous spider Ooh. and her, the flesh on her hand melted. Oh, and it's God. just like they mentioned that almost casually. And I like I like what uh had to rewind it and re-read re that but one of the best things about it is when they kicked well best it's horrible uh when they kicked him out they um they gave him a plane ticket and they're like make sure he gets off the island get rid of that guy we don't want him causing any trouble and they there's no record of him getting on the plane he disappeared on the island and so production continued it went on and then at some point, two of like the crew members, they were checking out like the forest nearby where there were uh, different like tribes of hippies. And they were casting a bunch of these hippies to be different animal people. And they came across him at a farm and he was just wandering the land, kind of just trying to take it easy. And so he started sneaking onto the production of his own film that he was kicked off of and he dressed as one of the dogmen one of one of their buddies gave him like a dogman mask and so like there were rumors that he was like infiltrating and sabotaging but he's literally just kind of hanging out and he's just like oh this is kind of fun and he's doing a better job at acting like an animal than most of the extras so 
And yeah, there's there's like some confirmed stills where you because they they are like, oh, that's him, that right behind Val Kilmer, uh, <laughs> that's the mask he still has, and like he's he's got his mask at his home now, and he's like, oh yeah, that's uh, yeah, that was when I was the dog man in my own failed film. Um, <laughs> so I I highly recommend uh, checking out uh, the full title is Lost Soul: The Doomed Journey of Richard Stanley's Island of Doctor Moreau. And what, how did you view it? Was it on a streaming uh, service? That was on Amazon Prime. Oh, okay. I think you could watch the entire thing on YouTube, too. Mm, okay. Um, yeah, I think I saw it up on there. Um, and I think it's on Shudder. Um, I think there's a few different outlets. It's from 2015. Oh, okay. So there's, it's not like people are battling for exclusivity of, of this <laughs> uh, doc- yeah. documentary. I like yeah. the title, Val Kilmer Ruins Everything. Yes. By the way. Yes, he was described as a uh, a prep school bully, and there's just just so many accounts of him being a crappy person. Um, there's a great account of him and Brando, like the apparently the one and only interaction they had, where Val Kilmer was just like, "Yeah, hey Brando, did you go check out the reefs?" And Brando's like, "The reefs? What are you?" I own goddamn reef. What the fuck are you talking about? And that's like the end of the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> there's also oh, a bit man. of talk about that. You remember in the movie, there's like a really tiny guy. It's what mini me from Austin Powers was based off of. He's like the he was the world's smallest man at that point. Oh, okay. And yeah. And the thing is, he's in a chunk of the movie as like mini Brando. And that is entirely because when Brando met him and, uh, uh, apparently, like the guy didn't speak English, and Brando thought he could speak that guy's language. And uh, when the guy just kind of humored him and went, "See, see, yes, okay," uh, Brando was like, "I love this guy. He's great. Put him in every scene with me." And <laughs> that's how that guy got in there. And he kind of let it go to his head, and he hit one of the actor, other actors, in the nuts. Um, yeah. What? Yeah, there's it's there's a German actor who was going to have like a good chunk of the film and like Val Kilmer didn't like him. And Brando like Brando had a conversation. He's like, oh, you speak German. I mean, you're from Germany, right? And and so Brando tried to uh, speak German to him and it was gibberish. And the guy just couldn't like like humor him the right way. He couldn't suck up to him. He was just like, I don't know what he's saying. And uh, so that kind of got him reduced. And he was just like, I was worried about Val Kilmer, but my my entire thing got stolen by the world's smallest man. I lost to him. (laughs) And he's like, and I couldn't fight him when he kicked me when he punched me in the nuts, because like you you can't you can't kick the world's smallest man. Yeah, it's just like, oh, yeah, it it was it sounded like a nightmare, like everybody just stuck on this island, the nightmare island of Val Kilmer. So, yeah. Reminds me of uh, the awfulness that was Apocalypse Now, where Francis mm. Ford Coppola about lost his goddamn mind, and they brought uh, <laughs> Brando in, and Brando had like gained so much weight that they had to put him in shadow for the whole scene. And yeah. I can't remember some of the other stuff, but I mean, I think uh, what's his name who played the main character was he a Sheen? It's the dad. It's the Sheen dad. It's Martin. Yeah, it's Martin Sheen and Robert Duvall. So yeah, Martin Sheen was like in the throes of, I think, alcoholism or substance abuse. And 
the scene where he's having a breakdown is indeed like like he's legit having a breakdown in that scene ah. so it's just like that that movie is real as well as it as it is fiction you know what i mean because it was <laughs> like it was so much hell that they went through and you know the movie's about hell being war war being hell it yeah. being terrible Mm-hmm. But if Val Kilmer was there, it would have definitely ruined everything. <laughs> it would have that been movie would have never come out. Everybody. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Apocalypse <laughs> Kilmer. <laughs> oh man, it's it reminds me of like it, it, talking about everything being terrible, <laughs> nothing working <laughs> right. I feel uh-huh. like you and I both have just like not had like the best of weeks, but not necessarily because everything is terrible and ruined, but. You know, mental health is a, is an issue in 2020 for a lot of people, and yeah. we both yeah. have remained in a somewhat unemployed status for a while since, you know, I mean, you are doing your trusty henchman. Right, yeah. <laughs> I'm just cleaning my house and reading smut. But, you know, it's like you got to find <laughs> things that, that, um, that try to lift you out of that as best as possible. You watch Tick Season 2. And, yeah, you know, yeah. I read my cheesecake things. And uh, a part of what we talked about last episode, I briefly talked about how I wanted smut to be more normalized than it being yes. like, you know, something. And it, it, the reason I was thinking about that is because every time um, when we were going through, hold on, I can't, my brain. Um, <laughs> managing a comic book store managed to be very stressful. And we put in long hours. And so it was like when there was time to read or time to like enjoy some form of entertainment, the thing that I tended to go to was smut. And it wasn't because I was like a hornball or something because, I mean, I am, but that's not (laughs) why. It was because it was it was exciting and it was a it was a fun fantasy world where people were either, you know, mostly I'd say stuff was fairly wholesome, but. Probably not right. the series that I'm I'm reading now, uh, <laughs> but sexually healthy. Yeah, it was it was just like yeah. a, a fun, you know. It's just like if it, the way that I could describe it is people who are really obsessed with watching horror movies because I feel like horror uh, movies give you a sort of jolt outside of uh, other type of of media intake because it's you know it's scary or it's mind bending or it's thriller and it just puts you if if it's immersive enough it really it can be very fun and and i think cathartic in a way yeah and that's the way that i think about smut because sure there's different levels of it right there's there's stuff that's like sunstone where people are clearly engaging in sexual activity but it seems to be more directed on human relations people falling in love and friendship and stuff like that so it's like you kind of get the pre and the post coital scenes but not necessarily explicit material Meanwhile, mm-hmm. you know, I read something like liquor and cigarettes, the boys love thing, and it's not full gratuitous, but it's definitely got the during scenes of stuff happening. So it's a little bit more titillating, a little bit more exciting in that realm of, you know, if you just want to talk about straight pornography or something like that, yeah. it's heading closer to that, but it still is very much around story based. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm no scholar of smut, but, you know, I feel like there's the erotic. You got to work on that. The scholar of smut. I probably have a lot of people who are high contenders on that that I would have to fight. To, That's to get a great the title. title. If it's not an actual <laughs> title, by the way. 
for a former comic shop manager now turned scholar of smut. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. If if someone's going to do it, maybe it'd be me, but I'm I'm not oh, yeah. academic. I think well, I mean, it's something that I I because I don't know if there's been enough uh uh talk about it, articles writing scholarly papers. Um but like I don't hear people talk too much about genres within smut. Um, mm. It's almost just treated like it's its own genre. And I mean, yeah. I don't know if genre is the right word for it. I guess it could be. It's there almost subsets, like, though, I think. Yeah. yeah. Or I'd almost call it the medium. Um, mm. But like, you know, you don't talk about sci-fi within smut or drama and comedy within smut we do say mm-hmm. that sunstone is sunstone is a you know kind of a dramedy uh a bdsm you know rom-com kind of thing right um and then there was like that one other book uh what was it called open space yeah and it's just like okay so that's like sci-fi you know yeah. um what was that letter for Licardo that was that was about dracula's it's and vampires so yeah 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 and um so that you know could be into the horror subset you know yeah um so i mean there's definitely those subgenres within the overarching umbrella of smut um, yeah absolutely and i think and what i was getting to is there's more of a range where i guess this is where you go from like an erotica type thing to a pornography and i don't know if pornography so general but i don't I guess you'd just say hardcore, maybe, where, like, erotica is going to be more about the story and the characters and that type of thing. Right. Again, I don't really know, and I'm not researching anything. And then I would say hardcore is just about the gratuitous depictions of sexual interactions. And I'm definitely not for just that, because when I say smut, I'm really talking about stuff that has story, that has character development and and, and world building and things like that, because that's... Some more erotica, if we're talking terms. Yeah, I guess it would be more on the erotica side. And there's definitely more of a push for that these days with having things like Limerous Press, who did publish Open Space. Yes. Mm-hmm. Now, the thing is, when we talk about that, I, I don't want to devalue smut um, or, or, you know, for differentiating between erotica and hardcore. Would you say smut is still a all encompassing term between yeah. erotica? OK, 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 good. Uh, see, this is this is the kind of studies that I don't know. Um, <laughs> Well, I don't know either. I'm really talking off the cuff on this stuff with zero research. So I just read stuff. <laughs> I enjoy yeah. things and I think that they have a value. And it's it's hard. I, I, it's a thing I like to continue to think about because when I would have interactions with people in the store where it was like, what have you read? And it was like, well, <laughs> you know, do I be honest and say I've read smut because it has this negative connotation to it of just like dirty horn dogs you're just you know right getting off or something but that's not what it actually did it was like it was a happy place for me that helped me to continue to to go forward you know it was to like function. a kind of a yeah. kind of a coping thing it was a release it was like a an outlet um so i thought that it had value but it was also like stigmatized and so that's the right. thing that i want it to be more normal um, which is hard to do in America because we're in this kind of puritanical society where it's like people have sex, people have sexual interest and fetishes and things like that. But you have to really just be 
very quiet about it and only talk yeah. about it with your partners and and maybe only and maybe only just keep it to yourself yep. which is just very unhealthy to me um but at the same time the times that i've tried to have conversations with people about it it's immediately like oh open the floodgates and now we're just gonna like everything's all on the table and now now there's no boundaries and it's like right no no, i don't want to interact with you in a sexual way or begin some sort of relationship that's like that but i just want to say that there's media out there that i consume that happens to have the subject matter right and that's okay yeah so it's it's just a difficult space to navigate and of course it's difficult in a professional way because you you can't just tell anybody that you're reading these things. I have to have some type of rapport. I wouldn't, you know, yeah. just straight up say, "Hi, I've never met you before and I read smut," you know. <laughs> yeah. That's where you you need them to uh at least knock on that door. And sometimes it helps to have a porch, a a, a display area. You know, we yeah. had the sexy time bookshelf at the dungeon and, yeah. you know, that might that might just help, you know. Right. Yeah, it's it's a difficult thing because like as we were dealing with uh, educators, as uh, we were a nonprofit, um, some would be more interested in some of the books that featured sex education and then others would be like no 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 and i mean that definitely does depend on the grade um but absolutely like you said kind of there's puritanical aspects at times that are like ugh. plus there's also the general uh landmines of people just having closed mental doors for certain types of things it's like when you come across a customer who refuses to read a book because it's black and white or to read manga or to read something that has anthropomorphic animals in it yeah even though black sad is one of the greatest comics ever made so you know it's it's things like that you know so you're you're going through the landmine field um, I mean, I had yeah, one I mean, cus- oh, Go ahead. Oh, I was just like, I had a customer where they wanted slice of life type things, but a lot of the stuff that I read also happened to have sexual themes. Yeah. And so it made it an awkward thing of like, oh, Menage a Trois is like really fun, but it's very sexy, you know? Right. Sunstone is, is very, very, very fun, but it has to do with BDSM, you know? It sounds like you also have a story kind of similar to that type of thing. My. Mine I've lost some of the specifics to, but I had a customer way back and it, it wasn't uh, uh, about any any erotica, but if somebody was, gave me very specific parameters as to what they want and I found the one literal book that was that thing and they're like, uh, I don't like that though. And I'm like, okay, but that's like the one thing in existence that fulfills the parameters you gave me. And they, <laughs> yeah. they, they stuck around for like a half hour and they kept coming to that book because they just didn't like the art in it. And it was, it was some sort of Western mix mash of, of things. And I, I just told, and he's just like, are you sure there's just not something else you can recommend that you don't even have in stock? And I'm like, no, I literally, within the parameters you gave me, that is the only thing within existence that I can tell you. And it's cool if you don't want it, but that's the one thing. And so he just kept hemhine and wouldn't stop telling me over the course of 30 minutes how much he hated the art in that thing. And I'm like, you just got <laughs> you just gotta deal with it, dude, if you're that specific. So those those narrow corridors, those narrow passages that people have sometimes uh, will reduce the ability for you to make those recommendations, you know yeah um, 
It's very disheartening. It's very disheartening, you know? Yeah, because you can miss out on a really good story. Like, I mean, I, I still haven't even finished it, but Letter 44 was a series that I was following, and I really did not like the art in that. Uh, it just mm. wasn't really my jam. But I felt like it served it served the story enough, like, at least the way... The style wasn't my jam, but I think, like, the composition and things still worked to be a vehicle for the story that Charles Soule was trying to tell. And so I think that sometimes you have to push past it to get something that you might find, oh, I actually do enjoy this after all. Mm-hmm. Um, I can understand that people are, I'm a, vi- you know, I only like art. I'm, it's all visual. It's like, yeah, it's a visual medium, obviously. Like, yeah. duh. Like, it's pictures telling a story. Like, duh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, but it, it, that's going to be the thing that's going to draw you in potentially. Yeah. And so I understand that it can also make or break it for you. Totally. It's just if there's somebody there who's curated this whole collection and has this vast knowledge of information that they can help filter through to find the thing for you mm-hmm. that you might want to trust in that person to be able to be the thing. And you know what? Yeah. It's It could just be too hard for some people. Some people are like, yep. It- it could be too hard for some people, and sometimes they're they're just stuck in, in thinking that even though they may have asked for help, that they were the ones with the right opinion to begin with. Um, yeah. Which isn't to say they aren't, but as a different example, I had a guy who came in, was looking for some recommendations. He kind of wanted some of that like late 90s era image Wildstorm style stuff. And then he he started telling me a fictitious history of like Jim Lee bought out another publisher and then did something something. And I was just kind of like, Jim Lee sold Wildstorm to DC. And he's like, no, he didn't. And I'm like, yes, he did. And he got, just, he fought me on it, like fought me hard. And I'm just like, we can wiki this right now, dude. Like, yeah, we have the internet. <laughs> we have the internet. And, and at the end of it too, he was just like, oh yeah, I'm just sorry. We couldn't agree on that thing. And I'm just like, ah, it's, you it's know, facts, so though. <laughs> it's fact though, you know? Yeah, he just created this. I, I, I wish I could remember what he... Oh, no. Yeah, I think he thought that Jim Lee bought out Malibu Comics or something like that. I'm like, Marvel bought Malibu. And he's like, no, 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 no. But before that, I'm like, Marvel didn't buy Malibu from Jim Lee. Like, there is no before that. Like, this is how, <laughs> this is how history and facts have happened. And uh, so so it's just, you know... Sometimes people have a thing set in their head and they're not willing to let it go. And so that means that you're, you gotta abandon that ship, uh, that some battles cannot be fought, you know, and some of the, there's more smut battles that can't be fought than there are normal (laughs) battles because it's so hard. There's a great meme I found of like a Viking warrior and, uh, it's him saying like, you can't win all battles, so put that one back. And he's just like, no, 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 that's still too many battles. Put a couple more back. And he's just like, no, 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 like more. You, you don't get this. <laughs> so there's just some things you gotta let go. And yeah. unfortunately, convincing some people of the value of, of erotic literature is one of those things at times. 
But when yeah. you do find those right people, you got to, yes. you got to, you got to value them. You got to hold on to them. Oh, yes. Maybe, maybe stroke, stroke them a little. I don't know. <laughs> in conversation, not, you know, in conversation, not in a yes, physical yes, yes, means, yes, yes, yes. but uh, yeah, there was a couple customers that I had at Corner Comics that were, uh, they, they were, you know, they were part of my family, you know, in my, my, mm. my mental, emotional family in that way of like, you get it, you understand, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, somebody who liked money shot, the, tr- the trade, mm. they liked things like that. They liked the Mirka and Dolphos of the world, that type of thing. Um, and then there was another person who they would just be like, what do you, you know, what do you recommend? And I, I knew what they liked and, and they were also akin to things I liked. And so I'd, you know, I'd tell them things and they were like, yes. And that it was just like it, it synergy, you know, it yes. would just work. Yeah. 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 And that synergy. I just love is... those moments. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's one of the things I'll miss the most about, you know, when you start getting that rapport going, you get yeah. somebody who trusts your tastes uh, because it either runs similar or they're enjoying that they're learning new things or something like that. And, uh, it, it's just that, that great consensual relationship yeah. of, of, you know, trading off art and stories and knowledge, you know? Absolutely. Um, so yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, I mean, I had that when I first moved to Seattle, going to, uh, the comic shop before working at Dungeon, I had a couple people there who we were just lined up and it's like every time I went in there there was more than I could afford to buy but I knew that there were things that I was going to enjoy and so it was nice to be able to then work at a store and be able to to do that type of thing for others because I knew firsthand how that felt of like going in and the person knew your name and they knew your likes and they they would help you out and they would be excited to share stuff with you and it's like that's cool yeah people come in and I know their name and they go you know my name. You know, it's just so <laughs> funny to when people are like, I have been acknowledged it as existing. This is amazing. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's now, I will thing. say on the flip side of that, because as you mentioned earlier, it's difficult when you're getting burned out, you're tired or stressed to stay on top and read a lot. Yeah. And so there are people who depend on you a lot and they're just like what have you read this week i'm like nothing i can't i can't make any recommendation yeah on the new book you know but then i would be like i can make a recommendation on an older book and then 50 50 that would play out well but there's just some people who like only want the newest thing yeah and it's just kind of like yeah yeah i don't know i can't I can't keep up with that, you know, especially right now. Um, that, yeah, that was the hardest thing I felt, you know, I, I was so, so tired and so strapped all the time from, from managing the store that it was, it was hard to care about a lot of superhero stuff for me. Cause that's, right. I didn't, you know, I didn't start off with superhero stuff, but thankfully being at the dungeon and, and knowing you was it opened my eyes to seeing a lot more and enjoying a lot more than I would have if I had just been on my own the whole time discovering it. So I'm thankful for that. But then it was like looking at the previews and just being like, this is crap. This is crap. This is crap. Oh, a crossover. Oh, it's going in seven directions. And then there's seven other miniseries. And it was just like, I I just, you just made me care that much less about knowing what was happening. And I look 
when I looked at DC Connect the other day when we were talking about Constantine, you know, demon hookup uh, at the bar. Right. There's still like all this stuff happening with dark, dark metal, death metal, death metal, and the Joker Wars uh, fallout and everything. And it's like, it's not necessarily that those stories are bad. I mean, I might even have a small inkling to see what's happening in death metal because it sounds like there's this darkness, but there's like light within and there's some cool characters showing up that you had yeah. seen before we closed and different things. It's like there's like a little inkling of like, oh, this actually could be an interesting story. But then there's just that element of like, but there's just, there's just too much. I just I can't it's so care. bound. Yeah. No, that's the thing. I saw a whole bunch. The new solicits are up and I, I saw a whole bunch of uh, uh, new like one shots and crossovers. There's another wave of the uh, the dark multiverse uh, specials. Right. Like the what ifs. Yes. And the thing is, like a lot of those interest me. But the the way I'm doing my my Marvel and DC going forward will have to be trade paperback. Um, so, you know, eventually I'll catch up. But uh multiversal uh, alternate universe stuff is a little bit more my jam so i do feel kind of sad that i'm missing out on a bunch of it but they are there's just a tsunami of it um just drowning out things and it's weird because marvel and dc right now it's kind of like night and day because ever since uh dc moved to its new distribution method they've been drowning us with new books i mean like in the course of four weeks, we had it felt like eight issues of the Flash show up. Yeah, and when you can't when you can't open your doors to physical business, that's no good. Yeah. Um, and then Marvel like barely shipped anything uh, the month leading through our our shutting down the stores, and it's just like somewhere in the middle, both of you guys, you need to just have like two books a week. Yeah, and from both publishers, and just be consistent about that. Um, but yeah, no, totally, totally feel yeah on on that drowning element of the superhero uh, releases. Yeah. So yeah. And then meanwhile, yeah. the one thing I do care about at DC is like supposedly coming out December of this year, the Batcat Maxi series that yes has <laughs> been in the works forever because. The thing is, I was looking through my trade paperbacks and I still have those Batman trades on my shelf and I'm going, I don't want to get rid of them. That's like my fan fiction. So I like the yeah. Batcat storyline stuff and I, I probably will collect that maxi series. Um, I think. Will I? I might. <laughs> the singles? You think you might do the singles? I might. I just said it. I mean, it just came out of my mouth. <laughs> here's the thing i mean it's tempting to me because it's got the mask of the phantasm which uh, is like yeah. one of my favorite batman things because that cartoon movie uh that that like hatched a little egg in the back of my brain um it rammed its ovum depositor down my throat and it's just <laughs> mask <laughs> mask of the phantasm is like always in the back of my head uh and, and because anytime anybody mentions it it's like a pavlov reaction it's just like what mask of the phantasm with a <laughs> soundtrack featuring tia Carrere? i'll take it <laughs> um but uh yeah yeah that's that's one of the gonna be the key things in that bat cat run and it's just like uh-oh 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 spaghetti-o yeah. yeah yep 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 
I will say I'm, I'm fairly excited because a lot of the uh, things coming out of Death Metal, it looks like the return of Superboy Prime. And I don't know what it is about that character, but I do love it anytime they bring him back. Because hmm. they, uh, back in Infinite Crisis and, and through uh, Blackest Night, they basically turned him into the living embodiment of toxic internet culture, <laughs> uh, where, where he was just this bratty, arrogant uh, troll and who, who thought that he deserved everything. And he could be as cruel as he wanted. And there's there's a story where he got exiled back to his home dimension and he didn't really he couldn't do much there. He didn't have the powers, but everybody still feared him because they thought he could still go crazy and kill. And so he basically went into his parents basement and because his Earth uh, DC Comics, DC Universe are the comic books of his Earth. He just kept on going to the DC forums and trolling and giving bad reviews about everything. And it's just kind of like, that is the best supervillain <laughs> for our modern era. Yes. And so now that he's he's popping up, I'm like, oh, I want to see what you're doing with that guy. Mm-hmm. But oh, well eventually yeah it's know. a weird it's a weird time because i the berserk volume six hardcover is finally been offered through another store that i'm shopping at that i'm getting my manga through mm-hmm. but then i'm looking at another website that's got it like even more discounted and because mm. i'm staying unemployed for a little bit there's that part of me that's like yeah because you know we used to work in a comic store we used to got we used to get a very (laughs) generous discount yep and it was really nice but it also means that i have too many books right now yes uh but but now i'm trying to give business to a lot of different local places uh Mm -hmm. i shop i shop at a store in bellingham which isn't entirely uh local but uh, I like the cut of their jib, so I'm mm-hmm, giving them mm-hmm. money. And then there's Elliot Bay Books that I'm getting some stuff from. And also Kina Kunia Bookstore, um, which isn't necessarily a local store. They have a, a local storefront here, but they're they're all over the, the world, the state, mm-hmm. uh, five states. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> um... So yeah, there's lots of places I'm spreading my money out to, uh, but but just that that discount of Berserk because it's like yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna get Berserk no matter what. Exactly. But what if I could get Berserk cheaper? <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> what if Berserk but cheaper? What yes. if Berserk? What about terrible spiraling horror and emotional <laughs> uh, crushingness? That's not a thing. But discounted price. <laughs> Ooh, tell me well, more. <laughs> so let me propose something to you uh, for our next episode, because we mentioned on our first episode that this would also be the Berserk podcast. And yes. we barely really talked about it Not other really. than how we're going to buy it. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> so perhaps in the next episode, we explain to the good people what is a Berserk? How is a Berserk? And when is a Berserk? <laughs> why Berserk? And why uh, Guts is not gage? how does berserk taste you know (laughs) why you should never ever watch the new berserk cartoon 
I feel uh, like, like that. I should probably watch just the first episode just so I truly know why I should never watch anything more. <laughs> because I know you and I personally, off mic and, you know, forever, have just talked about how that's not a thing that should exist in the world. But, you yeah. know, just like so much of the internet where we just jump on the bandwagon of hating something that we haven't personally experienced or researched, I feel like it is my duty as a human being and an American to actually... <laughs> Go on to Crunchyroll and watch that first episode. I suppose so. You want to make sure that uh, I, I'm not entirely sure where it picks up. So you might want to get a bit further in the books so that you can experience the goodness of that part of the story first. Before okay. you experience the badness filter on it. That's fair. Um, the, the badness filter is can sometimes be like, ugh, and, uh, and really poison the way something is you experienced the first time. So I'll finish hard the hardcover of volume five okay. before we talk okay. next and watch okay. the first episode of the Crunchyroll. Okay. Okay. I might rewatch uh the uh the three movies that condense the uh anime oh, series and yeah. do some other stuff in there. Um I don't know if I have the I have the desire to reread the re <laughs> go reread Berserk at a certain point here from the beginning again, but I need to read be good about reading other stuff so I can review them at my website. TrustyHenchman.com. <laughs> yes. Um, well, yes, and look, you've re you've reread Berserk what five times? Maybe, <laughs> possibly, or at least pieces parts of it here and there multiple times, right? Yes. Yes. So, so yeah, well, it's like it's like preacher. It's like you don't have to reread it, right? I mean, no, maybe no. your recollection might not be as sharp as if you had just reread it, but maybe you get the general gist, you know, that guts is forever tormented and has an ungodly large sword. So yes. you know, mm -hmm. and friendship is you hard for him. It's not magic like with the ponies. Oh no, no. You know, it's kind of, uh, you say it's not sharp in my memory, but the thing is, I don't just read it. I absorb the words in the same way Willow from Buffy did when she became evil. Oh. Like, I just I just shove my, my hands into the book, and the, the pictures and images are forever absorbed into my epidermis. Well, excuse and, me, uh, I, I misspoke. I, I didn't yes. know who I was talking to for a moment. <laughs> mm -hmm. I remember Do talking not... about, like, the original animated, and then, like something else and i was saying like oh this guy never showed up and you were like no he's in that first episode and i was like <laughs> no he's not and and you're like am i getting the things confused and then i went back and looked and i was like no you're right and you were like okay all is right with the world <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah I, it's it's the it's a cornerstone to my dark magic do yes. i remember berserk you know so the answer is always yes apparently yes. yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> All right, well, at least I have my homework assignments ready, and uh, hopefully Val Kilmer won't show up and ruin everything for us, but Ooh. I think we'll make it through okay. Mm. Val <laughs> Kilmer in Berserk. <laughs> Does he play volleyball with Guts or Griffith? <laughs> or does he have, like, bad nipple armor? Bad Berserk. nipple armor. Berserk was all bad nipple armor. Yeah. Oh no, like Batman Forever or Batman. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty bad. Yeah. If Bat just okay, so 
this is a side tangent, but has to do with nipple armor. I own a Silver Stable comic, the one that has like the embossing and it's oh, yeah. all silvery and everything like that. In fact, I own oh, yeah. two copies for some reason. Oh, yeah. Um, Shiny. But when you look through the book, she's wearing armor, but her nipples mm. are hard. Like it is always cold, and those it, things yeah. are superhuman. And I so mean, it's she a, could have been fighting uh, an ice guy, you know? <laughs> she could have been. And so when the Silver Sable Marvel Legends came out, I said, this is sorely lacking nipples. It's very mm. inaccurate, and I need my money back. We need to hire Ale Garza. <laughs> To, to make the, to go, mo- the world's most perfect nipples. <laughs> the most perfect nipples and apply them to plastic. Yes, know? exactly. So mm-hmm. it's like silver sable armor, which doesn't make any sense why it would have nipples, and Val Kilmer Batman armor, which doesn't... Why are we, why are we going so authentic with having nipples mm-hmm. on everything? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And Berserk with all the torment and all the horror, but very distracting nipple armor. It's like, <laughs> should I take this seriously? Things, things are really bad right now, but uh, there's also extremely hard nipples on this armor, and I don't know why. Do you think it's Guts wearing the nipple armor to distract the demons, or the demons wearing the nipple armor to distract Guts? Oh. Well, I don't know. Is Guts really going to be distracted by nipples? Like, he's seen so much, and like... Yeah. Probably not. Horrible monsters show up, and he's like, oh, good, I get to kill something. And it's just like, yeah. it's so... While the rest of the mercenaries, the, the the band of Hawk, are, like, sitting here going, oh, my God, what is this terror? Guts is smiling, this evil, mischievous smile of, like, hey, yes. So you think, like, the guy could have nipples all over his body as his, like, yeah. demon form. And Guts would just be like, great, I'm just going to slice a bunch of nipples off now. So I think we're we're more for pro nipple armor guts. Yes, and uh, I, I think that plays well because usually the demons are a bit more perverse and terrible. Yes, and so while they're like, I'm going to swallow your soul. Hey, that's uh, it's, it's, that's some pointy pointy nipples you got there. Yeah, and then and then all of a sudden they get shot in the face by Berserk's hand cannon. You know. See, that makes more sense to me. I feel like the okay. demons are so uh what's the word? They're they're horny? <laughs> yeah, well horny, but I mean their their base desires are so yes. uh, primal. primal. Their primal desires are at the forefront mm. of everything that they do. You know? Mm-hmm, they enjoy mm-hmm, killing mm-hmm. and eating and screwing and all that type of stuff. So and Guts is just like he just likes to kill. He's just a killing machine. Like, sometimes he feels emotions, and then he's like, crap, I felt emotions, and everything went terrible, so let me just stop doing that. But otherwise, let me just kill things. So I feel like it's the demons who would just be like, those nipples are so enticing, I just don't know what to do. And they become <laughs> so Jeff Goldblum, I, I, apparently. <laughs> I should probably hold this for our Berserk episode, but it's fresh in my mind right now. What if there, you know how there's, uh, like the, the God hand in, mm-hmm. um, in, uh, Berserk is kind of like this otherworldly, the, the heads of the demons, the, the, the kings or whatever. And they're, the, the, they're pretty well spoken in general. Yeah. Um, what if they were, you know, they're constantly like the, the primal endurance of Rada Rada. But then there's another demon off to the corner just being like, I want to fuck. <laughs> I'm a horny demon, and the and the, and the Wait, boss demons are like, yeah. The boss demons just like, no, 
no, no, no, the primal urges of <laughs> the rude demon just is like, no, 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 no. There totally would be a character like, like that. It's Robert Crumb. It's basically Robert Crumb. And he's just <laughs> like, I want to suck and I want to fuck. And they're just kind of like, can you can can you hold back? I know we're evil, but we're trying. We have a presentation to make here. <laughs> there's <laughs> a ritual. OK, there's there's procedures. We must go through these things. <laughs> and the demon's just like, sucky, sucky. I like big butts. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so yes. He's kind of like an impish By the way, character. this podcast is not safe for work. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, I don't think we've really cursed much uh or I mean even when we were talking about smut, I still felt like we were we had some level of uh uh elegance. Restraint. Elegance. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think the first few episodes we had a bit more elegance. Uh this episode <laughs> I think we're tired. <laughs> we're just like we are. Whatever. Our air quality is poor and, and we're sad and we're working hard on things in our life and and I don't know. <laughs> we we are literally <laughs> working hard at hardly working right now. We are working hard at hardly working. <laughs> Do you understand that I've transformed my whole house into a beautiful nerd kingdom mm. thanks to unemployment? <laughs> nerdonia. My nerdonia is glorious. I mean, this place mm. that I'm sitting at right now is completely transformed from what it had once been. I see your army of monster girls behind you. Yes, I have my monster high ladies. I think I see... Yeah, that's definitely a berserk. That sword is huge. And um, yes. so... he's right next to like your stuffed bear. Yeah, yeah, that's Pola, the polar bear, because I'm uh, really good at naming things. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. Yeah, and my... Nightmare Before Christmas figures and my Adventure Time. It's a very weird display that will change eventually because Adventure Time, Nightmare Before Christmas, a random polar bear, and Berserk and Griffith is just thematically like a little <laughs> schizophrenic, a little scattered, little yeah, interdimensional weirdness. So, yeah. Uh, my, my husband accidentally broke Griffith's arm, so now he <gasps> is forever on the floor with guts over him with this like foot on top of griffith griffith like kind of you know about to destroy him mm-hmm. their love they is real it. but it's also very chaotic you know yes so. destroy him one way or another yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> and on that note yes uh, i think uh maybe we're done with this episode i think so and uh yeah yeah so if you get the opportunity uh gentle you're not readers what are you gentle. listeners gentle <laughs> listeners uh <laughs> just be gentle um please check out my website trustyhenchman.com uh you'll find on the header there a whole bunch of links to all my various social medias including my um uh, pr- patreon and uh for three dollars a month you get a weekly newsletter and a whole bunch of other stuff and uh yeah if you want to hear us ramble some more please stay tuned this is, is uh even even though we're tired and we're down and breathing terrible air this is definitely a highlight of my week mm-hmm. and i love talking with my nicole yeah. so uh yeah Join us again, and here's our awkward goodbye. Bye. Okay, bye. Bye. <laughs>